All right, so one of the things that Zach and I do every week, which he enjoys so much, so much, is we do a book study. And we've identified, we started off with what? Seven Habits of an Effective Person. Seven Habits of Highly Effective Highly People, effective written by Stephen Covey. And, uh, and Zach and I, we each read through a chapter a week, and then we talk about, we have an outline that covers um, our impressions, things we've taken away from it, things we disagree with it. And our hope by doing this is that we make each other better. And our hope by sharing this conversation with you, and I'm going to try and remember to do it each time we do this, so that you all out there can hear what we're doing, the discussion we're having, and hey, maybe it'll help you out as well. So so what book are we working through now, Zach? Uh, we're reading A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. By? Donald Miller. And the, the subtitle on the cover is What I Learned While Editing My Life. So since we're starting this, but we're really on like the fourth chapter or something? Fifth and sixth. Fifth chapter. Um, can you bring everybody up to speed on what the book's about so far? So uh, up to this point in the, in the book, this, uh, this book is about a man named Donald Miller who wrote a book about his life. And we have two cinematographers that have come along, Ben and Steve, who would like to make a movie based upon Donald Miller's memoir book. And so, because of that, you know, they now, they don't live, but they're staying with Donald Miller. And as the chapters have gone on, they've elaborated what Donald Miller's book was about. And basically, we've come to certain conclusions about how Donald's life has essentially been very boring, very dry. But at the same time, we have been able to paint a picture on how the important things of his life. And this chapter, chapter six, five and six, mainly six, goes over the relationship that he had with his uncle and what, and how how much of a great person he considered his uncle. So, so let's uh, go into your outline. Uh, run th- everybody through kind of what uh, the outline shows. So uh, every outline uh, that we have goes over the week that we covered the this this. Week basically. So, so it's, me, yeah, so it's got setup information, but then after you get past that, then what's the first major question it asks? The first one was what was the main theme of this chapter? Uh, chapter five for me, we can go into it right now? Yeah. Chapter five for me was uh, I felt that um, it was basically the author was sublim- subliminally wrote his book about himself, kind of almost like he, he was showboating, you know, kind of gloating a little bit about his own life. Um, but then, that's my personal take on it. But uh, chapter six, it took a complete hard right on it. So before you go into chapter six, because it's amazing how two people read something and they get totally different things out of it. Because chapter six was, or I mean, chapter five to me was probably the most important chapter in the entire book. Right. And uh, when, when he talks about the, can you believe the ego of some people to write a story about their life? That that mm-hmm. was kind of where he opened it up with. Uh, if I had to write another sentence about myself, about my feelings, I'd vomit. But then the very, and this is only a two-page chapter, so it's a really short one. Um, and as he started writing about the character, he started pretending that it was somebody else. The guy was me, didn't look like me, didn't speak like me or act like me. In my head, he was better looking. He didn't talk all the time or act silly. He didn't tear himself down. And he had confidence in people, especially women. He was mysterious, dark, and unaffected. And, uh, but the real thing, not me imagining it. 
and then the last paragraph, and I highlighted the whole thing, and I'm just I'm going to read it verbatim because I think it's so important. It says, "It didn't occur to me at the time, but it's obvious now that in creating the fictional Don, I was creating the person I wanted to be, the person worth telling stories about." It never occurred to me that I could recreate my own story, my real life story, but in an evolution, I had moved toward a better me. I was creating someone I could live through, the person I'd be if I redrew the world, a character that was me, but flesh and soul other, and flesh and soul better, too. So what he's doing is he's setting it up to, as he comes to the realization through this book that if he imagines what his life can be, there's no reason he can't make his life that. Okay? So it's hugely important. So go on to chapter 6. Um, chapter 6 of the two. Now, we read two, um, we read two chapters this week, primarily because the, the length of each chapter. Uh, this book is pretty easy to read, which I, it, it, it helps me out. But uh, So the chapter 6, I took away basically this main chapter was about the differences in life and death. Um, and that's kind of the, the main thesis that I got. Which, what about you? What did you get, Carl? Um, to me, it is... Well, I was just highlighting the sentence here. We would have to put Don through a lot of conflict or the story would get boring. So, again, there's some really crucial components of this because um, he says, I didn't want Don to embrace conflict. I wanted it to be an easy story. But guess what? Nobody really remembers easy stories. Characters have to face their greatest fears with courage. So when you, when someone, and when I say you, I mean a person, not, I'm not pointing at Zach when I say this. When a person uh, has conflict in their life, a lot of times they think, I don't want this conflict. I, this sucks. I don't want to be in this situation. I don't want to have this interaction with this other person that's not going the way I want. Whatever it is. But the reality of it is, if you don't have that conflict, then you don't have the opportunity to grow. And if you don't have the growth, then you have a boring story. So you come out of conflict. The only way somebody becomes a hero is if they overcome something, right? What what use would Superman be if Superman never had to fight anybody? He'd just right. be this really strong guy sitting around the, in an easy chair all the time. So. You, you get where I'm going with that? I, I definitely agree there. Um, and I think that's kind of, you mentioned it earlier, I think that's a really cool thing about you know reading this book of how you can have the same situation, same chapter, same words, um, but yet you know two completely different readers. Uh, but I definitely agree with what you said. I mean, I've, I personally have gone through my own things and have been very, very, very fortunate and somewhat lucky to have persevered and uh, overcome those obstacles. Um I, don't know. I like this. I like this chapter. I thought it, it, it's real. It was real personable. It real, hits real home, and I think this is probably one of the first times that you really, really have the author open up to uh, some of his own, his own his own experiences. Something that hits him throughout this is the finality of the funeral. Yep. So when uh, he, I think it was telling towards the end of the book because he says. At the end of the chapter, he says, My uncle told a good story with his life, but I think there was such a sadness at his funeral because his story wasn't finished. If you are not telling a good story, nobody thinks you died too soon. They just think you died. But my uncle died too soon because he was living a good story and he had more, and people were interested. They wanted to know what's going to happen next in his life. 
And then when he died, they're like, oh, man, we missed out on what he was going to happen next. Right? So that's... Um, I really like the, the last paragraph where it talks about the next day I was walking with my cousin Carol and she asked where I thought my uncle was. She knew he was in heaven, but she wanted me to tell her what I thought he might be doing, what heaven was like. And I told her I thought heaven was outside of time and perhaps we were already there with her father. She thought that was a nice idea, but I could tell she wasn't comforted. And later that night I pictured Uncle Art and I could see him in heaven. He was sitting at a table and there was a celebration. I could see him at a wedding, and I realized that's what I should have told Carol, that her dad was at a wedding. So that's kind of a cool way to think yeah. about going on to the other side. So um, go on with the outline. What what other questions were there? So the next question, the main theme was, uh, what are three positive takeaways from the chapter? Uh, mine are pretty simple, cut and dry. Maybe maybe that's just the person that I am, or maybe it's the limitations of my thinking. But uh, one of them was, uh, appreciate what you have now. Because in the, in, the, uh, in the end of the chapter, just like you said, he said that, but my uncle died too soon. Uh, and so at that point, you, you're thinking, that made me think about, well, hey, you know, I could be gone tomorrow. Uh, and I'm not really taking advantage of the opportunities that I have right now. You know, not so much materialistically speaking, but, you know, hey, you know, maybe I can go take my daughter out to uh, get ice cream tonight. Or maybe I can just, you know, turn the TV off and turn the computer off and have one-on-one time with her. Or maybe I can take my dog to the dog park, dog park before I pick up my daughter and just have, have him be him and I. Uh, and so I think this is kind of a, always like a little bit of a, a gut check to say, hey, appreciate what you have now because, you know, just like his uncle Art, you know, his uncle died too soon, according to a lot of people. So uh, one of the main things was, you know, appreciate what you have now. Um, and another one, you know, real, real simple, I think everybody understands this is death comes to all. Uh, he talked about, in the chapter, the author mentioned how that his uncle couldn't be killed. His uncle could never die. Not even God could kill his uncle. Um, of course, his uncle was human, and you hear, obviously, throughout the chapter that his uncle passed away. And so I think that it's somewhat, maybe this is my a deeper, darker thought of mine, but I think it, there's almost a sense of peace that you can get knowing that one day it's going to just be all over. And I'm not saying, you know, in a dark, you know, demonic way or anything, but I think that it's, it's just a circle of life. It's the way things are. It's the way life goes. And I think there's some peace that comes along with that, uh, personally. Um, The last thing I got was uh, there's time to be a good person uh, and fix things. So, you know, despite what's going on in life, if you have a hiccup with your a family member or a friend or a spouse or anything like that, you know, there's always time to fix it. And there's time, you know, there's always time to fix it. And then at the same time, there's almost not enough time to fix it, you know. That means kind of, you know, whatever thing you have going on, maybe you should kind of, you know, try to work and get on the ball a little bit and help yourself fix whatever item. Uh, whatever relationship, maybe, like I said, a relationship between spouse, parent, family member, friend, whatever, and, you know, a business relationship, um, anything like that. And so maybe if you're religious and you when you have a you know maybe a little a little bit of a hiccup or a blip with your the deity you choose to uh, worship, maybe there's something that needs to be fixed and worked on there. Um, yeah, that's all I have. Those were your three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so so my three were um, the first one was you have the ability to write your life story. If you have the ability to write your life story, you have the ability to pursue it which 
is all about intentionality, which is when I first read this book, and I don't remember who recommended it to me. That's that's my dog scratching under the table. That's not Zach, by the way. So, uh, it it has Burris functional emotional fitness all over it because I came to this book later. It wasn't like I found this and then started putting some other things in. We'd done other things with Gallant Few, and then I read this book, and I thought, man, this book really fits in with what we're trying to think conceptually, which is you have to create a picture of where you want your life to be, and then you have to create a plan to get there, right? Because too many of us let things happen by accident, and what this author was doing was he was letting his life happen by accident. And as we'll see as we go further into the book, as he starts being intentional about it, cool things start happening. Really cool things start happening to him. Uh, the second one is, um, it, when you die, are people going to wish that they knew what the rest of the story was? Because your life, the kind of person that you are, the relationships that you create, the interactions you have, are so meaningful that people, they want more. And now they're sad that that's gone. As opposed to somebody who's a bump on a log that's always has problems, complains all the time and doesn't grow a bunch of relationships, what happens when they die? They're like, oh, well, I'm sorry that person died. But it's different than this one is a loss because their life, they still had other things to do, right? Hmm. And then the last one was um, that the only way that you can be a hero is if you overcome obstacles. And so in his book, for it to be interesting, they had to put, Conflict. They had put obstacles in for this character to overcome so that it would be interesting so people would think of this person as a hero. So when when we run into these things in our daily life, look at them as opportunities for you to overcome them so that you become the hero of your own story. All right, what's the next category? Uh, did you apply anything in your life in this week's chapter? Um, I think I did. Like what? Uh, just... Like I said earlier, it was a gut check. The whole, you know, for me, the two things were, you know, my first, my first point, my third point was appreciate what you have and that there's time to fix things. Um, there's time to be a good person, and that's kind of what I applied. I mean, I thought about it. I thought about how where I once was, you know, with depression, post traumatic stress, dealing with all of that, along with some other things in my life that were led me to a darker point, and to think about what I have now. And a lot of people would not like the lifestyle that I have. They don't want to live in an apartment. They want to have a, a big mansion. They want to have, you know, two more cars with all the bells and whistles. And they want to have, you know, a lot of other things in their life. Maybe they want to have a couple more kids. Maybe they want to have a couple more pets or things like that. Or maybe a couple more TVs. Who knows? But at the same time, I, it was able to help ground me. It was, this was basically, hey, hey, look, you know, look at everything you have right now. You have, I'm in pretty good health. Um, my daughter is in great, great health. My daughter starts kindergarten this year and it was basically allowing me to, okay, hey, look, you know what? This is where I'm at in life. This is how, this is where I'm at, you know, in the universe. I'm happy with it. I'm, I, I am not just getting by. I am doing well in just about every aspect of my life. But at the same time, I always think there's room for self-improvement. Um, but, and also at the same time, though, that kind of, you know, with the self-improvement thing comes along with my third point. You know, there's time to be a good person and to fix anything that comes along. And so whenever I'm talking with my daughter, I'm thinking, oh, hey, you know what? Instead of just saying yes, telling her to say yes, sir, yes, sir, no, sir, and giving her very, very broad and vague answers, I'm, I'm explaining things. I'm asking her, and I'm telling her to basically dive deeper into human connections. Um, 
And I think that basically allows her to become a better person eventually throughout the you know, throughout the upcoming years. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> I what's what's next on the list? Did you disagree with anything from this chapter? Um, I really I didn't disagree so much. I mean, it's I it's mean, okay to not yeah. disagree with anything in it. You know, somebody might read that and go, "I don't think that's what heaven looks like," or whatever. But yeah, but uh, I like the I really like the timeless concept. When we had a German Shepherd, actually, her picture just popped up on my computer that passed away. It's been about 10 years ago now. And in my daughter, uh, Michelle, she said somewhere along the way, she said she had a theory that heaven's timeless. And if heaven's timeless, then that means we're with our dog there now. Mm -hmm. Right? We were there yesterday. And we're stuck in this mode right now where we live by the clock, we live by the sun and the day and the night, but there will come a day when we don't do that anymore. Right. So I, li I like the timeless aspect. I of thought it. that was real cool, real, uh, really interesting. I've never heard that before, but at the same time I have. Like, I mean, I've heard, well, if you, depending on your religious experience, you know. <laughs> you never heard it before, but at the same time you have. Well, not, not <laughs> Uh, let me rephrase because I, because he's living in a timeless world. Hey, <laughs> he's already there. I'm already, yeah, exactly. I'm already there. No, uh, I just never haven't. Ha I've never had explained to me in a, with a, the title of a timeless place. But at the same time, growing up, I always knew about heaven. Was you're just it was there. With everything with everything that ever could, you could think of was done and dry, and you're just there. Uh, so I think this was able to kind of shed some light on what I thought all along and was able to the author was able to put it on paper all right what else what's the last last category whom will i teach uh one main point from this chapter this week for me it's always so that's that's our challenge is when we get done with this after you read this what point can you take away that you can teach someone else which allows you to learn you, you learn more. better when you teach it yeah. to somebody else yeah and uh i'm part of a toastmasters club over here in texas and so my goal for a bait well we don't say goals and gallant Say objectives. Say objectives. Mm -hmm. so because? Mind, because a goal, goal. goal is something you wish for, but an objective is something you have to complete. Objective is something that you plan for. Plan for. Because when you're in the military, you don't attack a goal. Right. You attack an objective. Correct. Okay. So my objective, uh, I guess my objective, the crowd basically that I'm going to teach this to is the Toastmasters Club that I, uh, that I attend. Um, and they are a diverse bunch and I think that this would help me learn and solidify what I read in this chapter and so I think you know at the same time whenever I'm able to talk talk to them about this and give a small speech they're able to understand hopefully a little, little bit more about themselves um, but at the same time I keep it I'll keep it simple and try to keep it uh, as upbeat as possible so everyone has a good time with it so let's let's talk about two things that you have this year started doing that you had never done before right the first one is reading. Yeah. Because you gave me a lot of pushback on that because you're not a reader. I right? read like five books before I came to you. So so what does that – tell me what's that mean to you now? Is it Does it really suck or are you getting value out of it or there's the, do you I, wish we'd stop? <laughs> there's, there's definitely a lot of value out of it. Um, and I think the cool thing is if you're reading something, stick to it, but then – for me, there's times I have questions. I, I don't understand this. I don't understand why we need to do this. I understand how it goes, how this is all related to 15 chapters from now, or how you know, if you go back 220 pages, it's all the same. I never understood that, but you know, I said it earlier. You know, the thing is, seek self improvement. And so when you're reading, you're improving yourself. I 
I've finished one whole book so far this year, and I've that's probably and I couldn't have done that you know, a year ago or anything like that. So I'm definitely getting value out of it. Definitely getting training uh, experience and wisdom and knowledge and bettering myself. So the second the second part is uh, Toastmasters. Yes, Toastmasters. So you, did you even know what that was till I drug you to a meeting? I thought it was talk, like a little club. They talk about champagne and stuff. And like, <laughs> Wine, maybe, Toastmasters. So what is Toastmasters? Toastmasters is a club uh, throughout the world. Uh, that's why it's called International Toastmasters, which in a nutshell, you basically go there, you learn how to uh, publicly speak better, and there are people there who help you by criticizing you. So there's something called an awe count. In a nice way. Yes, yes. In a very, The whole entire environment is very positive and very supportive, and, and so no one's going to say boo, get off the stage kind of thing. No one is ever going to do that for you. But at the same time, there are people like something called an awe counter, which will count your ums, you knows, or your so so on, so forth, or things like that, that will show you how many times you said each thing per speech. And it's helped me out tremendously. I learned to uh, slow down when I talk. I learned to stop saying, um, you know, and so on and so forth, and stuff like that. Those are the things I used to say. And Grant, yes, you could probably listen to this. We'll go back and rewind this you and count Yeah, <laughs> you can listen to this podcast again. You can hear all of them. But I assure you that it does help me out a lot. And it but gets, what's the value for that? Uh, it, it, it's, there's a lot. There is you know, a ton of growth, a ton of experience, a ton of uh, just self-improvement. The fact that you're able to do something that you are not comfortable with and pushing yourself in front of a small little crowd you're overcoming a lot of obstacles that come your way. Public speaking, maybe some anxiety, anything that can make you stutter or anything like that. You're overcoming those obstacles slowly but surely. And especially in a positive and supportive uh, group like that, it's there's it's probably the best 40 bucks I've ever spent. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's cheap, yeah. right? It's cheap to belong. Yep. And it expands your network, meet, meet other people, and you take on new responsibilities. Now, you're president right yes i was <laughs> i don't know what these people th- were thinking i'm just kidding uh yes i was recently elected the pres- the club president of club number 5718 over here at alliance uh in texas and so uh it's great to have this responsibility it's definitely an eye-opener and at the same time it's allowing me to push myself to become even more and better and your the time commitment time commitment it's not bad at all it's uh approximately 50 minutes once a week on Tuesday afternoon. For five zero minutes. Five zero, yeah. yes. Five zero minutes. Uh, now, yes, sometimes there are a little bit of hiccups and stuff, so we'll go anywhere from you know, 50 minutes to an hour and five minutes. But it's totally worth it. It's a great way to connect, great way to know. And they're all over the place. So you can, if you go to the International Toastmasters yeah. website, you can find one real close. Yeah. So and that one of the reasons I want to bring that up is because when somebody's leaving active duty, they don't have a clue that these things exist in most right. cases unless somebody in their chain of command forced them to go do Toastmasters. Right. Rotary clubs, Kiwanis clubs, um, even uh, chambers of commerce. Yeah. They, they all have events that they welcome veterans to. You can come visit any of them. You don't have to belong and just check them out and see. The first time we went, neither of us belonged to Toastmasters. Yep. And we went just because I knew that it was a good organization to help you grow in the way that you speak uh, to other people. Right. And um, that, so that's, that's something that I would encourage anybody that's out there that's listening, go find a local group that's different than what you normally do in your daily life and get exposed to them and okay. see, don't expose yourself to them, 
but get exposed to them. No and, coats allowed. <laughs> and then and then see if you like it and see if it'll help you grow. And and maybe you'll make some new friends along the way. So all right, so what's our next week? What are we doing? Uh, next week we're doing marine chapters. Seven, seven is really short. Seven and eight. Seven and eight. Going to see the professor and the elements of a meaningful life. That ought to be that ought to be some discussion. Yeah. Um, home so this book is again. It's Donald Miller, A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. It is available on Amazon in hardback, softback, and digitally, and Audible. and and on Audible. Yes. Yeah. And no, we're not getting a kickback for advertising his book. It's just, it, it's a book that is important enough in the messaging that I bought a copy and gave to each one of the Gallup few staff members when we had our last staff retreat. Yep. So, uh, and and we've got see all these books over here. Those are the next ones. Those oh. are those are the books that are on deck. Once we finish this, for those who can't see, go, there's like 10, 10 or twelve more books there. And and I think well, we're not gonna we're not gonna tease anybody with the next ones. We're just gonna focus right now on a million miles in a thousand years. So this is Carl and Zach, and uh, we're going to have to come up with a motto to say yeah. at the end, right? Like some people say, never surrender, and what, what does Nick say? Never give up, never quit. Uh, never give up, never surrender, always move forward. Always move forward. So so an homage to uh, Nick and the Raider Project today, we'll say never give up, never surrender, always move forward. There you go.